Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. We're in part four of our Made for Late Relationship series. And, uh, well, first I wanted to say, hey, congratulations, you guys made it to the early service. How about that? Give yourselves a hand. Woo! I don't know. I'll tell you what, I'm all fired up in the morning. I don't know about you, but by the time 1130 comes, you know, I'm going to give my best. But right now, you early folks, man, you're going to get it. You're going to get it all. All right. Amen. Well, part four, we've been talking about relationships, and I'm getting some good feedback. Are you guys enjoying this series? I'll tell you what, I've been getting some folks with some testimonies about relationships that are getting restored, and now that's what get, that gets me really excited, is to know that God is doing some things in the hearts, uh, in, in, in our hearts and in the hearts of those that God has placed us with and so that we can go forward. So today we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about faith, releasing people to be their best, okay? Releasing people to be their best. Once again, we've, we've introduced this, but we're going to get into it a little deeper today and just to remind you, relationships are the key to our happiness. The success or failure of our relationships determine the quality of our life we enjoy. Have you noticed that God has kind of put a spotlight on that these days? <laughs> now that you're kind of you know, thinking about it, it's like buying a new car, and next thing you know, you see all that car everywhere. You know, uh, When we talk about relationships, that's all we're seeing lately is, okay, God, what are you doing with <clears throat> my relationships? <clears throat> Excuse me. We've talked about what love really is, and uh, it's not a feeling or just a thought. It's an action that is selfless and sacrificial, okay? Today, we want to talk about another way we can love people to build and strengthen relationships. We want to talk about faith, and we're talking about faith in reference to relationships. Faith is believing in someone more than they believe in themselves, okay? Okay? So catch that. That's when, we're not going to talk about faith in God or necessarily the faith in believing in God to do miracles, but really faith in people, okay? So get that, that uh, frame of reference on as we, we push forward this morning. But it's believing in someone more than they believe for themselves, okay? We'll, we'll show you what, what we mean. This is, it's a very powerful principle. And one that's very, very personal to me, and I want to share just a quick testimony. When I first arrived in Fayetteville, North Carolina in 1982, I was 19 years old, and I thought I pretty much knew all there was to know about things. So when I came there to study the ministry, I figured a little schooling was going to help me out some, but I pretty much had it down as to you know, what needed to be done and, and how I could. But man, did I ever learn that I was completely delusional on that front, I thought way, way too much of myself. You know, I didn't need pride at that moment in my life. What I needed was humility, but I didn't know it. And when I came into that place of brokenness and began to realize just what my need was, you know, I needed to be put back together again. Because see, what I learned as I began to move forward in to prepare for ministry was that I was really a broken person. I didn't have nearly as much under the hood as I thought I had. I had many what I would call disqualifying needs in my life. I came from a broken home and I needed healing in my soul. And as I learned this, the further that I got into relationships, which is where it all came out, by the way, 
I was pretty devastated initially. And to be honest with you, I wanted to quit. But then God spoke to me. And he said, David, follow the man I've placed in your life. So when I went to God, God pointed to a person. Isn't that interesting? He pointed to a person. And that man was Michael Fletcher. Michael's been here to preach. He's my pastor, or actually one of my pastors. I've got uh, a few guys that I really look to. But Michael is is very, uh, very special to me because of how far we go back in our relationship. But what I found out about this guy is he was very unique and that he was full of confidence and promise, of course. If you know Michael, he's just wide open and, and uh, leading a church of about six, 7,000 people. And uh, he runs, uh, he's run several triathlons and marathons and all the thons that are go on out there. He's just a wide open guy, uh, full of a lot of confidence. And, and he's got more than enough for himself. And it, and it, and it bleeds over into other people. And the one thing I've, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a cute one, isn't it? Anyway, but yes, more than, he, he was a man of incredible faith. And that's the thing that attracted me to him. Not all the other exploits and the personal confidence that he had, but his faith in God, but also how that translated toward me. Because he would immediately look at me and, and, and among, and I just gotta tell you, there were, when I went into the college, I was surrounded with ex-82nd Airborne guys and Special Forces dudes, and, and, and some of these guys were brilliant, 4.0s geniuses. Some of these guys are surgeons today and uh, have gone on to get their master's and doctorates. And here I was, just lowly old David, the, you know, the ex-football player who, you know, I graduated with honors, but I mean, you know, 3-5, 3-6. I mean, it wasn't like what these guys were doing or what they could do. So I kind of fell behind the pack. And so when they were looking for these guys, Michael kind of came to me and just say, you're my huckleberry. You're the guy I'm going to go forward with. And I, and I basically went to him and said, you know, God spoke to me that I'm supposed to follow you. And he says, well, try to keep up. <laughs> so I'm like, well, got to stick with God on this one, you know. And so in time, what I found in this relationship is I learned several things that I want to share with you today. I learned several things about myself and things that I've in watching people and being able to come forward. But what, when we talk about relationships, man, I saw a lot of things about myself that needed to be healed, and also that I need to grow in. The first thing I learned right there in our notes is that we are delusional. Okay, I'm sorry, but we just are. We all suffer with some sort of delusion that we're better than what we really are. I figured that one out pretty quickly when I started comparing myself. It's just like the guy who comes, I mean, you know, for you guys, you know, he's the hometown hero, you know, the, the sports star, and then they go, they move them, they go to college, or they go to the NFL, or they, go, they find out very quickly, look, you're not the, the top of the stack. You find out very quickly that, you know what, you're getting the cream of the crop, and it gets boiled down, and next thing you know, it, it's amazing that how many people, because they have been propped up, you know, they don't understand some things about themselves and where their weaknesses are, so on and so forth, but that we we really, we, we learn the truth found only in Christ. And that is when we surrender, you know, we start at the bottom. You have to start at the bottom in the kingdom of God. Because Jesus said that. Jesus was talking to these disciples as they were arguing with one another. They were all trying to get, you know, to be the top of the stack. They all were trying to be the one out in front. And you see this in ministries today. You see this working in business today. And Jesus said, no, look, the, the least of you is going to be the leader. 
Can you imagine how that messed up the Bible study that night? You know, it's just like, and so they all began to realize, wait, this is just turning my world upside down. Well, yeah, welcome to the kingdom. But Jesus, when we come to him, there is an initial, we begin to realize, I mean, it's like, almost like reality begins to get poured into our life. And it's just like, it's not what I thought at all. And there's this wake up and it can be very discouraging. But what we find is that Jesus intends to put us back together again. We fall apart. He puts us back together again, the way he wants us to be. And see, the bottom line is that we avoid this path, we are going to revisit it often. Because see, pride is going to shut down our ability to encourage other people. So when we're talking about relationships here, and when we're, when we're eaten up with pride, and we're thinking more of ourselves than we ought to, then we really don't have a vision to help people, not a real vision. Because really helping people means I need to divest. It means I need to give away of, of the most important and the most valuable things of my life. That's what, really, what will really change people. See, in the Bible, we go to it, it says, I can do all things with Christ. And we all know that one, right? You know that verse? It's awesome. I can do all things with Christ. We do songs about it. I don't know if they even have dances. They might. But I can do all things in Christ. But wait a minute, we forget the second part of the verse. Only through Christ who strengthens me. And that's the journey, isn't it? The journey is saying, man, I can do anything. Yeah, only with his help. Sometimes it is him completely doing it. And we just kind of are astounded because we think in our own strength we can never have gotten it done. We never could do really anything. And that's the starting point, my friends. That's stage one of completely realizing I'm a mess. I am broken. I am delusional. And see, if we stay in our delusion, we will believe in the idea of helping people. Now catch this. We will believe in the idea of helping people, but we never really do. And I've seen that. I've seen people who talk about helping people all the time. But then you follow in the wake and really ask, are you really helping people? Do they re- are there people that are really being encouraged and brought forward in their wake, the wake of their life, are the people coming up, rising up, springing up, going forward. And that's really a key, isn't it? It really is, the fruit. So that's the first thing we need to embrace, is recognizing that we're broken. Secondly, we need an example, don't we? See, that's why Jesus spoke to me. That's why he spoke to me when I cried out and said, and I'll never forget it, I was working on a paper, and I was, I, I was going through the thing, and I was so frustrated, I tore it up, and I hit the back door of the dorm, and I just started running. And I just wanted to be back on the field again. I just wanted to be, go back and be who I was. And I ran and ran and ran until I couldn't run anymore, and I just stopped on this little hillside, and I just cried out to God. I just said, God, I don't want to do this. And God just, I could just hear him chuckling. He said, yeah, that's fine, David, because we're, we're going to do this. I'm not letting you loose. That's when he began to speak to my heart and said, David, you need an example. I'm going to give you one. And so we have to start with Scripture, of course, and, and because, you know, Michael was, was key. But one of the things I really learned is that he pointed me to Christ over and over again. It wasn't about him. He pointed me to the Scriptures. He kept on pointing me back there. And this is where, and this is one of the 
key verses that got a hold of, that got a hold of me, and I want to read it this morning. In Philippians chapter 2, 3 through 11, let's read it. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Wow. Does that not just take the tractor, the plow right down the middle of your life? I mean, do you feel it breaking it up? And, you know, do you feel it just going, man, that cuts in, cuts in deep. In your relationships, hmm, interesting. Talking about relationships here. I missed this one. After all the years I've read this, but it, it's interesting that it, it, it drops it right into relationships. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, He's God. Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Other translations, to be grasped. But I like this. Something to be used to his own advantage. So he's God. But Jesus didn't walk around and say, hey, how are you doing this morning? I'm God. Just want to let you know. Hey, guys, let's gather together. I'm God. So look, get it straight. And isn't that kind of what we do? Hey, good morning. How you doing, David? Oh, that's Pastor David. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, wouldn't that be crazy if all my kids had to refer to me as Pastor David? Or Pastor Dad or something like that? I don't know. <laughs> but being in nature very God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. <sighs> what? He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. See, Paul didn't miss that part. See, and I think we missed that part because what we have done is we've kind of uh, been, um, you know, we've reversed in our understanding. Since we know who Jesus is now, glorified, and we celebrate him at Christmas and Easter and every year, we've got this mindset of the holy lifted up Jesus, and we, we, it's called anachronism. We take that image and we put it on him then. That's not who he was. I mean, he was inherently, but that's not how he walked around. That's not how he acted. That's not who, what he, 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 he put off. That's not the persona that he tried to give out. He walked around just, I mean, very simply. He probably looked poor. He was, I'm sure he, he took care of himself, his hygiene and things like that. And he was cared for, but he walked around, it says, as a servant. In other words, I'm coming to help you. He didn't go from village to village to say, I'm here, the son of God. Bring me your, your fruits, your vegetables, your animals. Come and sacrifice to me. You know what I mean? He didn't do that. He came to hang around with the poor and the smelly and the castoffs, the Samaritan woman at the well, the adulteress. That's what he did. It doesn't fit the paradigm, does it? Not the way we kind of have taken this whole thing. And when I turn on my TV sometimes, I'm just like, what? Uh, send him a letter. Read Philippians chapter 2, 3 through 11, please. But made in human likeness. See, we look at that and say, well, what's wrong with becoming human? To God, that was very humbling. To take all of God the omniscient one, the all-powerful one, the, ever the one who was everywhere present, omnipresent, 
to be stuck in a human form? A smelly little poopy diaper baby? All of that God into a human? That must have been a very humbling experience. Absolutely. And more so as he became a, a, a man to walk around with such, you know, humility. And it says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he went the whole way, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him. Now, before we move to that, before we move to that, make sure you get that. That he, his whole life was a measure of suffering. Now, that's not to say that he was depressed and, oh, bummer, why did I get stuck with this deal all the time? He wasn't walking that way. He was walking with joy. It says, for the joy that was set before him. I believe Jesus walked around with a secret joy because he thought, you know what? When he saw those children, he just said, if they believe, they will be with me forever. He saw the vision. He, saw, he knew what was going to happen to mankind. He could see where we were and the joy and the, how nations would be affected, how America would come up out of the ashes, out of the dust, and become a nation, one of the greatest, greatest evangelizing nations in the world up until, of course, present day, where that is beginning to change. But he saw that. Secret joy. Secret joy. Now it goes on, and don't miss this part. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, right? That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The demons are going to do it too. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God of God the Father, everything that has a tongue. Apparently demons have a tongue. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, so look, there's our example. The highest to the lowest. But don't miss this part. There's a reward. There is a reward. Now, most of our reward is coming when we stand before the Lord Jesus one day when we finish this journey. So don't miss that part. But I believe that in this life, there are going to be joyful moments. There are going to be where, where we die to. So what I learned in my journey was that I was broken down and I wanted to quit. And I just thought, well, man, I'm not worth anything. I can't, I can't be a minister because of all these issues in my life. But God began to heal me up. And he just said, David, this is what I want you to do. I just want you to serve. That's all I've called you to do. So I would, every time I saw Michael, I'd say, Michael, what do, you, what do you need me to do today for you? Well, I need you to move these tables. Well, I was kind of hoping I'd be able to preach to the masses. Any chance we can do that today? <laughs> no. Move tables. Oh, okay. And that's what I did. I cleaned toilets. I moved tables. I had to drive uh, you know, people around so they could pick up their stuff. I mean, they'd walk into the dorm and say, okay, who's not doing anything? And everybody would kind of hide. I mean, we'd be scurrying, you know. <laughs> you, come out from under there. We want you to do this for us today. And that's what it was about. Very unique training experience in my life. But I'll tell you, it was exactly what I needed. Because it started at the bottom. And I'll tell you what, so I went around just saying, you know, Michael, what do you need me to, what, what do you need me to do? Until one day, Michael became the pastor of the church, and he was looking around, and he was like, man, 
gosh, I need a worship leader. And I'm over there going, C, F, G. Reaching for it. And uh, he's like, you can play guitar. I said, yeah, man, I can do that. He says, well, I need you to lead worship. I'm like, really? Yeah, get in the game. I'm like, whoa, I don't know if I can do that. He says, well, you need to. And thus began ministry. Wasn't glorious. Wasn't anything other than just being available. And when all the other guys went on to do their great exploits and did other things, there I was, just kind of like, no, it was almost like Dave, Michael came to me and said, is there no one else? <laughs> you know, looking for David, to, <laughs> you know, the David to anoint him as king, and Samuel's like, hey, well, don't you got anybody else? <laughs> that was me, man. He's like looking around me. And I'm just, put me in the game, coach. So, and then, what was amazing is that went on, you know, to become Michael's right-hand man for 17 years. And, uh, and all of it was pretty much, in every case, we'd be in a staff meeting, Michael would say, man, this is, how are we going to get this done? I said, Michael, I got this. It's all right. I got it. Got your back. Serve, 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 serve. Isn't that what it's about? That's what ministry is? So I tell young guys, I say, you ready to die? Huh? Yeah. So I love coaching. You know I love coaching. Coaching, I mean, I'm not getting through this real well. But anyway, coaching, my thought is give me a, you know, what, what the, the, the prevailing attitude out there is give me a kid with raw talent and I'll fix his attitude. I don't like that so much, to be honest with you. I like this better. Give me a kid with a humble heart and let's see where his talent can take him. I do like that. I like it better. I don't like some cocky kid who comes on the team and thinks he's the answer to the world. Because that's the kid who more often than not, strike three, ends the game, and it's like, man, what happened? I don't know. I'd rather have that kid get up there and you're all just looking at him saying, I don't know if he can do this. But inside, you've spoken to him and you say, you know what, you can do this. You can do this. Because there's a whole lot more in you than you even realize in God. And all of a sudden, they get up there and do something amazing. I've seen that time and time and time and time again. And it's funny. I could tell you so many stories, but one particular that's in my mind is an athlete who nobody thought, batting last, nobody thought he, he, he was worthy to even be on the team, get up there, two, you know, two strikes, two outs, game over, get up there and hit a line shot, scores the run to win it and go to the championship. And everybody's just kind of scratching their head. Who could see that one? I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. And God loves it too. Thirdly, so let me reiterate that point. We need an example. And Christ is our example. He went before us and he did this. He showed us. And I need an example in my life, and he did it, and he showed me. You need an example in your life. Look to Christ. Look to those who are doing it and watch them. Paul said that. Paul said, look, follow my example. It seems very proud, doesn't it? Come on, Paul. But no, Paul said, look, I'm tapped into Jesus, and I'm over here figuring out how this thing is, how this thing whole works, and I'm experiencing real joy, real change in my life. Tell you what, just follow me. Because sometimes just following someone's life and example is a whole lot better than sitting through lecture after lecture after lecture. See, that's what real discipleship is anyway, is following someone, following their example. 
Not only do you get the teaching, you get the life. Number three, we, choose to, we must choose to believe. See, we're talking about putting faith in people. I'm building to this, okay? We must choose to believe. See, when we believe in that person, this releases us to do the most profound thing that can be done in a relationship. Again, believing in people. When we get right ourselves, then we can begin to start looking at people the way God sees them. Because I got it straight in my own head. I am nothing without Christ. So then I can look at the people in my life who everybody else is saying, oh, no, I don't see it. I don't see what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. Let's move on. Let's find the really nice looking people. Let's find the ones who are really talented and have got a lot of promise. When God says, no, I, I want to start with the one that nobody wants to use. And by believing in people, it releases something. It releases something very, very powerful. See, ultimately, that's what God has done with us for humans, period. See, God doesn't have to save any of us, but he chose to save us. See, it's believing that can do a whole lot more than what you're seeing at the time. And this is right out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we've already done. See, because remember that word it says always hopes, always trusts. See, love will translate. When we get love and we're getting love from God and we're feeding on that and we know that God loves me, not for what I do, but because he just loves me, then I can look at other people in the same way with that same kind of, I always hope, I'm hoping that you're gonna rise up out of those ashes. I am hoping that you're gonna step up. I'm trusting that there is something more in you, that there's a God spark, that there is something in you that we can reach out and pull it out. See, a lot of us have not gotten that kind of faith. And, and that's the thing, that as I developed this relationship with Michael, that he would always, I mean, he would just, he would, the way he would speak. And so I do that even to this day. When I see a young man, I'll call him Powerhouse. I'll, I mean, I'll give him nicknames. That some, ki some kids don't like it, but a lot of kids, I, I just see their hearts filling up with courage incrementally. Instead of, hey, idiot, come over here. Hey, loser. Any other derogatory name that causes that kid to think, well, that's it. That's my expectation. I'm a loser, and I'll always be a loser. Instead of, hey, Powerhouse. Hey, kingdom changer. Hey, world changer. Hey, awesomeness. Now, you may say, well, that's kind of filling them up with pride. It might. But see, God can deal with that. See, this loving faith comes straight from the heart that has received God's love. I, I said that. We, again, see people as God sees them, wonderfully capable of, of achieving their very best. Proverbs 25, verse 4, remove the dross and out comes silver for the silversmith. We're all silver in the rough. We got a little dross in our life. Up comes the heat. Up comes the opportunity. And out comes the silver. Remove the bad attitude. Remove the wrong thinking. Remove the pride and the arrogance. Remove the sinful lifestyle. And out comes a life that can really just expand and the kingdom things and the fruitfulness that can come out of that life. So many, so many Christians suffer spiritual underdevelopment. The heart and the soul will soar with the words of a coach, a friend, a loved one who says, you can do this. 
So, only, so many people don't understand the idea of communicating confidence because they've never received much themselves. You can't get what you don't have. But you can get that in God. You know, I've heard some, I mean, I've seen people say, well, I don't want to, you know, say too much for him. I don't want to get a big head. Like I said, you leave that up to God. You leave that up to God, but encourage. Fill them up with courage. My dad, personally, was a very uh, hopelessly, overly optimistic man. When it came to sports with me, it was embarrassing sometimes. But it got into my head. It really did. Obviously, that it did, because when, I, when it translated into ministry, those are some of the very things that God needed to get out to put me back on the level field. More than that, we need a chance, don't we? We need a chance. You can't just say it. You must put it in the game. You must put us in the game to give it a try. We have to be, so here at Valley, you know, our heart is to say, look, you know, failure is not fatal. You know, if you're coming from a broken situation, we want a do-over here. And even if you've been here for a while, a do-over. And that takes a lot of humility, I know. When you struggle and maybe fail in front of your peers and your friends, not many people are able to make it through that. They, they need to change. And I understand that. I do. But I think the highest calling and, and the ha- highest journey of all is that we're able to struggle and fail among one another and we look at each other and say, you know what, that's okay. Get back up. I'm with you. You can do this. Right? I mean, somebody fails on a team, we don't just say, hey, dude, you really blew it. You, leave. What? Yeah, take your stuff. You're off the team, man. We're done with you. But I only fumbled the ball once. Yeah, well, that's all you need to do is just fumble once. We're perfect here. We don't believe in mistakes. They don't do that out in the world. Why do we do that in the church? Why do we do that with people? I don't understand it. I don't know. There's a word for that, by the way. It's called grace. People will thrive in an environment of grace where failure is not fatal. But they're given a chance to learn and to grow and to say, look, i got a heart for ministry. Well, okay, that's great. That's awesome. I'm excited about that. But look, I need you to, to mop the floor. What? I, I wanted to preach next week. No, not going to do that. Because the way up starts with down. You have to stop, start at the bottom and be a servant in order for God to, it says here, it says that God glorified Christ, but it was on the other side of the cross. On the other side. Finally, people are attracted to those who encourage. Isn't that right? Aren't you attracted to people that speak positively to you? I mean, we all, I mean, it's just a very natural thing. I mean, nobody wants to hang out at purpose and say, hey, how are you doing it today, idiot? Man, I don't expect much of you today. I hope you, you know... Hope you get a little bit done. I mean, you know, you don't want to hang around with somebody like that. You want to walk up to somebody who says, man, how are you doing today? Man, you're looking great. You want to hang with somebody who says, look, I really appreciate what you did there. Well, that wasn't really much, but it was, I could see that you really were trying. And man, I, you, know, you need to keep doing that. I mean, we're all attracted to that. I mean, they know that in the business world. And, and of course, you don't want to do it with, without a, uh, a true heart, Right? But when you understand it, when you hear, here's the deal, now catch this, when that is what you're hearing from your God, that's what comes out. 
when you're hearing it from your God, you're hearing it in the morning, and God says, good morning. David, I love you. I'm so for you today. And you're hearing those words, and they fill you up with courage. You were being encouraged or filled with God, right? Then we're able to take that and give it away. We're able to put it into our children. We're able to put it into our coworkers. We're able to just exude it. I mean, it just comes out. That's the goal anyway. And if we want to have relationships, if we want to have the kind of, see, do you see how the tables are really getting turned upside down on us here? Because what we're wanting to do is, how can I make other people like me more? Or how can I, you know, have more people flock to me? That's kind of where we think in our minds that this whole relationship thing is about, but it's not really. It's actually completely different. It is, how can I become more of a friendly person? How can I become more Christ-like so that people want to be my friend? Instead of, look, you better be my friend. You know, be my friend and nobody gets hurt. You know, I mean, that's, that's not a really good way to have friends, is it? And yet, a lot of people live that way. I mean, we laugh at that, but you know what? There, you know, there are a lot of people who live under the threat of friendship. So people are attracted. You know, there was a test with school children. They took these teachers. You're going to find this, uh, you teachers here. You're going to find this very interesting. Took a bunch of kids who were, very, were below average in their, their schooling. Below average. And so they took these kids, and they put them with new teachers. And they told all the teachers, these kids were high performers. That they were high intelligence, almost near genius kids. And the teachers were like, wow, well, this will be, this is going to be fun. So the teachers began to treat those children with that expectation. And guess what happened? They increased the children's IQ by 15 to 27 points. Incredible. What does that tell you about human nature? Right? Expectation is everything. When you believe in people, it releases. Who knew that that one kid over there who was eating glue and stood and just stared outside the window and picked on little Susie the whole time was a genius in the making. But nobody believed he could be that way or nobody thought she could be that way. Wow. That, I mean, that blows my mind. But man, is that ever true? I mean, we've seen it, seen it prove, proven out. And we've all seen that happen, you know, in our lives as well with people around us that we just go, wow, I never saw that coming. Sometimes we have to fight and scratch to find somebody in life who will believe in us. But why not start with God, with the one who does believe in us and sees so much more? Now, our boundaries do fall in pleasant places, and that means you're not going to be disappointed because when you get to that point, you're going to be, in some ways, going, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to do anymore, God. I mean, I'm played out. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be, that in the end of our life, we'll just say, God, I gave you everything, man. I left my, my life, my soul. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm a weirdo. I am definitely weird. My, my family knows it. The elders know it. I mean, I love to try new things. And I get motivated by trying new things. I mean, I like to wood burn. I like to draw. I mean, I see something I like tying knots. I, I, I mean, I just, I just look at something and say, I want to give that a shot. Now, jumping off of mountains, 
Um, stuff like extreme sports stuff, no, no, don't have the calling for that, sorry. Yeah, no way, forget that. All I had to see is one video of the rope breaking, done. Nope. So look at the relationships in your life. Where can you spend more time filling your life up with faith? But not just for you, but pointing out the strengths in believing that others can do great exploits. How can you do that? You may say, well, I don't really have the platform for that right now. Yes, you do. There's always somebody around you that you can encourage. And so, I mean, this is hard. This is hard. This is kind of where the rubber meets the road, as they say. When we look around, I mean, I wrote a letter to a person recently, and I asked him, I said, well, how many friends do you have? Look around you. Do you not see that the poison of your mouth when you're tearing people down and all you want to do is focus on their weaknesses and what they've done wrong, and some of those things are so petty, it's ridiculous. I mean, you're not figuring out that people don't like hanging around people that do that? Even when they're family? Yeah, exactly. Yeah? <laughs> uh, so, here we go. Honey, I just know you can mow that lawn like Adonis. <laughs> you need to think bigger than that, okay? A little bit bigger. I mean, I know that, I mean, we as guys, we're going to say, oh, no, 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 no. I know what you're up to there. No, think bigger. I know you can lead this family. How about this? I know you can lead this family. I know you can do it. All I need is a little bit of prayer. All I need is for you to just look at me and say, honey, you can do this. Sometimes that's how we can release it. We, sometimes we're frustrated in the pe- with the people in our lives. Maybe we need to go over to the positive side of the force, right? And start to encourage them. Say things like, you know what? You're wise and you do fear God. God can do the rest. So don't tear people down because, see, that's what we want to do when we get frustrated with people. We want to tear them down. We just say, we want to tear them down thinking that's going to motivate them. Can I just tell you one thing? No one is ever motivated with negativity. And even if sometimes they call that sales by takeaway, that should, be, that should be used so infrequently. I mean, that's a card in your, up in your sleeve that you, you might only pull out every once in a great while. Because people are motivated through encouragement. Not so much the negativity. Because, see, that's, that's deflating. So the goal is to fill people up with courage. You can do this. Give it a try. Don't give up. I believe in you. Man, you're getting better. Those are the kind of words that will release people. See, we're talking about relationships, and we're made for relationships. We're learning that, that God wants us to be in relationship, and that's what's going to make us healthier people. It's going to make us more joyful people because relationship, it's all about relationships. And, you know, and if it weren't, God would just take us to heaven, but he's leaving us here so that we can grow in the context of the church, so we can grow in the context of our families. You know, the family is really suffering right now. It's really suffering. Maybe, maybe I mean, we've seen this thing coming. And it's funny because not more and more when we say family, people want to shout it down. It's like, no, 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 no. And it, isn't it the devil 
you know, coming in with an angel's look or in clothes or political correctness or all the stuff we're hearing right now, and it's just overwhelming. It's just like a, 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 bowl, a boulder that's just rolling over people because it's shaming them into thinking that, no, 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 maybe we oughtn't think family anymore. Maybe there is something that's superior. Maybe it does take a village. No, it takes a family, my friends. And it takes people who believe in one another in the context initially of the home and we should never bail out on that. I'm telling you something right now. That my children, when they hear encouragement come from my mouth, my mouth has the most powerful effect than any words that could be spoken on this planet. I don't care. You get, Take a coach. Take whoever. Take the most important person on the planet and let them encourage my children. But their words will never do in their heart what mine can do. How many times have we heard people say that? Well, hey, look, you know, you don't need that for me. I mean, everybody else tells you you look beautiful. Everybody else tells you you're, you're awesome. Everybody else tells you this. But then out of, this, this, out, of the, out of that storm comes these little words that say, but yours matter the most. Whew. How much more the words of God, huh? Do you hear him tell us, I'm for you. I love you. You can do this. Those were the most important words in my life as I began to turn that corner and realize that God wanted to do more. So to move forward, we got to determine to be an energy giver by spending time with God and getting our needs filled up with his love and his affirmation. we got to encourage the people God places in our life. Believe in them. And if they're struggling, give them hope by cheering them on to try again. Don't give up. See, I hope you're catching this. That as you open your mouth and you're speaking encouragement, more and more people are going to want to be around you. You're not going to have trouble finding friends. You're just not. But if you go around being the person who knows everything and you, all you, and you feel like it's your job. I actually had a person tell me that one time. They said, well, I believe my part in the church is to point out where your weaknesses are. <laughs> yeah? Look, I got a ministry for you. You see those two doors right back there? It says exit. I want, you to, I want you to go out those doors and keep going. That's your ministry. Because what I need from you is to tell me how we're doing well. And then once you've gained that place, you know, that's, that's fine. See, it's the elder's business to tell me what's wrong. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, there... We got, I'll tell you what, we got the greatest elders on the planet. And I've been to a lot of churches. We got some great men and their wives. It's awesome. So blessed. Blessed, blessed. But we need to be a church that encourages. Yeah, and when we got struggles, let's bring them up. But let's bring it up in an, in, in an environment of encouragement, right? I mean, I, we all have to point out weaknesses. And sometimes we have to go to our friends. And, of course, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll, we'll talk about the other stuff. So finally. Watch God heal your present relationships and bring new ones into life that are going to be mutually encouraging. Because see, look, you're going to say, man, David, tell me to give, 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 give. That's all you said this morning is give, give, give. Don't forget Philippians 2. That after Jesus gave everything, it says, then God exalted him to the highest place. He got a reward. And that's what will happen. 
You become an encourager. You become one who gives life and, and filling people up with, the, with, with joy and peace. And, and, and you're just like, man, it's all about them all the time. God, what about me? And God, one day, is going to come upon you with such awesome power. It may not come in the form of an award ceremony. Well, hey, good morning. You know, thank you so much. You know, thank you. Most important, you know, encourager of the world award. You know, I might not come that way. But it might come with somebody saying some words to you that you never thought they would ever say them. Or there might come in some kind of an honor. You never know. But I guarantee you it will come. And even if after your whole life you hear it from God who says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I believe that is going to be the greatest award ceremony ever in the universe. Well done. Amen.